You're not an apostle like Paul was, but there's at least one very important way that you are like Paul. As Christians, we are all servants of Jesus Christ. This idea was very important to Paul and prominent in his thinking. In fact, Paul opened the book of Romans by giving you a reminder that you are not your own. You belong to Christ. Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. Today, Stephen Davies' lesson is called, Whose Slave Are You? If you've been sailing along with us on this wisdom journey, we've just completed our tour through the book of Acts. This book gave us the the history of, of the early church, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. Now remember, the book of Acts is a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, it explains how we got from that old covenant into this new covenant. Now, having crossed this bridge, we come to what's called the epistles. One little girl was asked what the epistles were, and she said they were the wives of the apostles. Well, there is a connection. In fact, 13 of these New Testament epistles or letters, including Romans, were written by one apostle the Apostle Paul. And the book of Romans is now where we arrive on our journey today. This letter to the Roman church was written when Paul was in Corinth. Paul actually dictated this letter, and a man named Tertius wrote it all down. We know that because over in Romans chapter 16 and verse 22, we read, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Now, beloved, we're going to spend uh, quite a bit of time in this epistle, in fact, more time than any other book of the Bible, and that's because Romans is so foundational, so helpful to the church and the believer with so many foundational truths. So we're going to, we're going to sail along here on our wisdom journey uh, just a little slower than usual as we try to understand this book and apply it to our lives today. Now, in the first century, uh, the believers in Rome were facing pretty much the same things we're facing today. Immorality was rampant. Marriage really didn't matter. Perversion was celebrated. Abortion was commonplace. In fact, killing a newborn baby was legal. It was acceptable if that baby was unwanted or, or disabled in some way. During these days, the government was corrupt and oppressive. A 19-year-old by the name of Nero sat on the throne of the Roman Empire. He would eventually marry both men and women in public ceremonies. In fact, in one marriage to a man, Nero dressed up like the bride. Well, let me tell you, the world back here in the days of the Roman Empire uh, really is much like our world today. So what does that mean for us? Well, as far as God was concerned, first century Rome was the perfect time and the perfect place to establish a New Testament church. Listen, beloved, the darker the world, the greater the need for the light of God's Word. So let's begin here now with verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, 
set apart for the gospel of God. Now, when we write a letter today, we sign it at the end. But in these days, the author signed it at the beginning in some kind of opening uh, introduction. And in this introduction, Paul brings up two concepts that he considered to be the most significant concepts in his life. The first concept is what we could call ownership. Paul writes again here, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. It's as if he wants everybody to know that he belongs to Christ. He doesn't belong to himself. He's a slave. In fact, the Greek term is doulos, which you could translate a bondservant. By the way, this designation would have an immediate impact on Paul's readers throughout the empire of Rome. Historians estimate that there were around six million slaves in the Roman Empire at this time. These Christians knew what slavery meant. Slaves were owned by others. They were considered property. They had no control over their own bodies. Their masters decided what they did and and when. So think about that. Paul could have introduced himself, by the way, as the leading church-planting apostle or the evangelist who raised the dead, or or the church's leading theologian, or, or, you know, something a little more flattering. Oh, oh, no. Before Paul tells us that he's an apostle, he tells us here that he's a slave of Christ. Now, you could be somebody's slave and do everything you could to get out of work. That goes for modern-day employees as well. I remember working in a grocery store as a teenager I bagged groceries back in the days when you had to bag the groceries and then take them out and put them in the customer's car, and you might get a quarter for a tip. That tells you how old I am. Well, I also remember one of the other fellows who worked with me, he would disappear at times. He never put in an honest day's work. In fact, he worked harder getting out of work than he actually worked. Well, let me tell you, Paul isn't that kind of employee here, so to speak. He's not apathetic. He's not lazy. He's not ungrateful. He's he's excited about being the servant of Jesus Christ, so excited that he actually puts this in the opening line of his letter. It's as if he wants everybody to know, listen, I am somebody's servant, and that somebody is Jesus Christ, and I have the greatest honor— in belonging to him and serving him. Beloved, Paul understood that when Jesus Christ becomes your master, you are freed from slavery to sin and slavery, as it were, to this wonderful master. So ownership is the first key concept here. The second concept given here in verse 1 is what I'd like to call assignment. Paul says here that he is called to be an apostle. Now, the Greek word for apostle is apostolos, and that means sent one. It refers to somebody who's been sent out or commissioned for a task. Now, this statement also establishes the credibility for Paul's ministry of of laying the foundation of the church. If he had not been personally commissioned by Christ as a, a true apostle, the church would never have listened to him not for a moment. In fact, the subject of Paul's apostleship will become an ongoing debate among some in the early church as certain people attempted to discredit him. Was was Paul really an apostle? Did he qualify? 
Well, if you go back to the book of Acts, as the apostles determined to fill Judas's place with another apostle, they chose Matthias. And we're told that the two qualifications for becoming an apostle were, first, he had to have seen the resurrected Lord, and second, he had to have been taught by the Lord. That's back in Acts chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. Well, as the book of Acts unfolded, Paul certainly saw the resurrected Lord there on the Damascus Road when he was confronted by Christ and, and converted. Paul writes over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1, Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? In other words, I, I am a legitimate apostle because I meet that qualification. Well, we also know that Paul was trained by the Lord privately and personally for three years over there in Arabia. Galatians chapter 1 tells us all about that and also tells us that he was taught the gospel personally by Christ himself. Now, we also know that Paul was given a tour of heaven. He refers to that uh, himself in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He tells us in verse 3, And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Well, Paul is referring to himself when he refers to that man. And he also tells us that he was prohibited from telling us about his tour in heaven. And I got to tell you, I'm a, little, I'm a little disappointed with that. I wish Paul had been given some permission from God to write an entire epistle about everything he'd seen in heaven. Well, I suppose we're just going to have to wait until we see it too. So Paul meets the qualifications of an apostle, and he mentions here in verse 1 that he was set apart for the gospel of God. By faith in his resurrected Messiah, Paul is now set apart to deliver the gospel of the resurrected Lord. Well, this ends Paul's personal signature, so to speak, the introduction as the author of this letter. He's a slave who serves, who belongs to Jesus Christ, Now, beloved, you might think that sounds too restrictive in life. Well, let me tell you, everybody is a slave to someone or something. In fact, you're either a slave to your own sin, whether it's hatred or greed or lust or a hundred other things, and and your life revolves around that enslavement, or you've given your life to Christ and you've become his slave. And I can, I can tell you, Jesus is a much better master than anyone else and anything else on earth. So I guess you could say that the, the question for us today, the answer is, whose slave are we? Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey and a lesson he called, Whose Slave Are You? This is The Wisdom Journey. Stephen is taking you through the entire Bible with a new lesson each weekday. 
His goal in developing this journey through God's Word is to equip you to walk wisely through life. We believe that the only way you can do that is when you align your life with the truth of God's Word. That's why Stephen wants to help you understand the teachings of all 66 books of the Bible. I hope you'll make it a priority to join us each weekday as we travel through the Bible together. In addition to this daily program, Stephen has a second daily program called Wisdom for the Heart. Wisdom for the Heart is based on Stephen's preaching ministry. He's been teaching the Bible for four decades. You can learn more and access all of our Bible teaching resources at wisdomonline.org. If we can assist you today, our number is 866-48-BIBLE or 866-482-4253. Thanks for listening. I'm glad you were with us. Be sure and join us again next time to continue traveling along this wisdom journey.